You're listening to The Perth Property Show, Australia's only weekly property podcast by West Australian experts for West Australian listeners. Catch your latest episode every Monday at 7am. Good morning, guys. Welcome to another episode of The Perth Property Show. My name's Trent Fleskins. We've got a real gun in the room today. I can't wait to start. Today's topic is one that's close to my heart, something that I think we need a lot of reform in in this state, and that's finding a good real estate agent. What makes a good real estate agent? And to help us with that conversation is Jonathan Marlow from Exceed Real Estate. Jonathan, thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me. Johnny, let's get this kicked off straight away. I want to talk about, I think, what is the most fundamentally important character trait, and that's integrity. Integrity and courage are, are the two character traits, I think, that go hand in hand. And those character traits are absolutely crucial in selecting an agent. How do you determine that? Truthfully, I think for a lot of owners, they're getting appraisals done and they're looking for the highest appraisal, the person that tells them what they want to hear. Now, the reality is that's the least qualified person. It's Mm. probably the person that has the least amount of integrity and the least amount of courage. And that sounds a bit strange, doesn't it? Because you think, well, hang on, no, I want more for my home. Yeah. However, what we find is that the person that seeks out what the seller wants to hear and then tells them what they want to hear is typically the person that would also fail the acid test when in front of a buyer and the buyer wants to offer low. It takes a lot of courage to understand that you are competing with other real estate agents in the area. Most Mm. people would speak to two or three real estate agents before picking one and understanding that you might be going in with a price that may be lower than the pitch from the guy yesterday but the, the price that you believe you can honestly sell for, not based on just your skills, but the market. Yeah, well, that's right. I mean, it's it, the evidence has to prove up the price. And I think the, the person, you know, typically who tells people what they want to hear, if they're a pleaser by nature, mm. they're ill-equipped to be a negotiator. Yeah, because buying and selling real estate is a combative industry. Mm, At the end of the day, right. as much as we all want to be winners, there are often winners and losers, and that can come down to the skill of the agent totally yeah so at that point of negotiation you've got a buyer that wants to offer low and wants to get away with offering as little as they can put forward now if the person is a pleaser by nature they're going to take that offer yeah and then they're going to try and convince the seller to accept it. at the end of the day as much as we do need to be setting expectations with the seller that are realistic your goal as a sales agent which is why you're paid commission is to get the best and the most realistic price. Yeah, that's right. And I think, look, the reality is, I often refer to it in this way, the asking price or the advertised price, its only relationship to the property's value is how much demand it creates, Mm. right? Demand has a relationship with value. Now, if we're creating low demand, because we've given an inflated asking price, then low demand is going to create a low sale price. So we must always be focusing on, and I always encourage people when they're looking for an agent, is don't make the appraisal price the most important part of your focus. Make the sale price the most important part of your focus. Because the appraisal price is is nothing to do with what it's worth. It might be below, it might be above what you end up with. So what you really need is a person that's got the right strategy and understands what they're doing. Mm. I right? can demonstrate that understanding to you. From history or from Even and just from, from, from actually being able to just content in their communication with mm. you, right? Understand how they the express street. how they express yeah, how they express different concepts yep. around how real estate is valued, around how real estate is sold. In the area specifically, not just as a concept itself, but pertinent to the street the type of house, the suburb, the demographic of oh, the Oh, totally. But yeah. that's a research-driven thing. And, and see, a lot of people get caught up in 
they'll go with the local agent, for example. Yeah. Right. And and nowadays, the local agent, you know, their only qualification quite often is being local. Mm. You need someone that actually understands how to do the research properly to be able to arrive at the right price. And I see more and more with salespeople today that uh, real estate sales is going to be very much driven by how well the person can research. So that's gonna be a skill that needs to be demonstrated in the future. Mm. Up until now, and in the last probably 25 years that I've been in this business, a lot of people have got by on telling people what they want to hear mm. and not doing any research at all. Yep. And that's not the way to go for the future. In terms of an owner doing their research into an, a real estate agent, yep. what would be the most important metric for proving up the abilities of the real estate agent that you're about to meet? Testimonials. Mm -hmm. is crucial. The fact that they're willing to let you speak to those people, I think is a real crucial element. I think listing to sale ratio. Explain that. Someone who's got 45 signs up yeah. in your area. That may look like they're doing really well. Yeah, it looks like they're doing fantastic. But in fact, they're only selling at any one time two or three of those because their whole focus is telling everyone what they want to hear. Mm. And the reality is everyone will list with someone who tells them what they want to hear unless they've had someone good come in and educate them why that's not correct. So they're really good at marketing themselves and their brand. But if you've got 45 properties on the market that you're listing, that's great. It shows that you're really good at marketing yourself. But if you're only selling two or three at a time, you maybe haven't set up the processes or you don't have the skills to actually market the property you're trying to sell yourself. Correct. Really, you're failing in the integrity test in the beginning and you're failing in the courage test in the beginning because it does take a lot of courage to tell an owner something that is truthful, honest, but is not necessarily what they want to hear. So you'd be valuing a real estate agent who only takes on 10 properties at a time rather than 45 because they can focus their time to convert those listings things to sales much more efficiently. Yeah, look, I think there's there's some argument for that. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's a one size fits all though, because you can have an agent for instance that does have a lot of volume but has very good, good team. a very good team surrounding them and they produce good results on the back of that. So yep. there's this person at the top who has all the skills, who manages the processes and manages the team effectively. Now, that can still be a very good outcome. The challenge though is to be able to identify whether that person has the right listing to sale ratio. So again, it comes back to that in my belief. Whether or not the person's carrying 45 listings and doing it really well, or whether they're carrying 10 listings and doing it really well, the measure of the, the how well they're doing should be on listing to sale ratio. Are they selling most of what they're listing? The agent find a page on Rewa. Yeah, look, absolutely. That'll tell you how many sales they've made in the last 12 months, which and the can listings. be useful. Yep. But yeah, yep. I think it shows the volume of listings. So that's one way. Then the other thing is you can just follow it on realestate.com, domain.com and look at what they're listing and look at typically if you're selling your home, there's a bit of consideration going up before you decide to sell. So watch it over a three, four week window of time, right? And if there's someone that comes in, for instance, who comes in who's highly skilled in the area but may not necessarily have been from that area originally but comes in because they're highly skilled, they've come in on a referral basis and they put a property on and they sell it, that person could be equally as well qualified as someone who's in the area, who's got 10 listings, and they're not necessarily selling them as efficiently. I think a big factor these days, a big asset real estate agents have is their database that they're actually selling to. Yeah, look, I think the database can be very important. The only thing is I'd probably, again, I'm always very much a devil's advocate on this. Most of the people that are sitting on a database, for instance, let's say, you know, Trent, you came to me and you said, I'm looking for development sites in these suburbs. 
and can you let me know if something comes up? Now, the reality is you're sitting on my database because you're also hoping to find something before it comes to market as a buyer because you want to buy it for yeah. as cheap as you yeah, possibly can. Yeah, I want a can. deal. Yeah, so you're not trying to pay as much as you possibly can for the property sitting on my database. So all of the buyers that are sitting on my database really are not necessarily going to pay top dollar. Number two, you're not going to sit on my database exclusively. So you're sitting on my database, but if you're in buying mode at the time, so you're in purchasing mode. You've contacted every agent. You're also going to look at everything that's on the market and do your comparisons. Mm. And if something's just on my database, you're not going to purchase that without doing a comparison as well. So the reality is that database becomes then a little bit less of a crucial element. Don't get me wrong. I think it's good to be able to have those buyers there as well and manage communication with those and sufficient numbers of those. But it must be that the property is always taken to market to compete with everything else. That's or every really other buyer. Good and every other, by the way, buyer's list. That's a really good ideological point. Some agents will market the idea that you don't have to spend marketing money. I've got the database. We'll pick this up straight away. Yep. But really, if you're going to sell and you're looking to sell for the right price, a lot of people do argue that you have to go to market. Otherwise, you'll never know how much you could have got. Yeah, that's right. And the reality is no one's sitting on their database because they want to pay top dollar. And lastly, I think that, again, we need to touch on the willingness to have a tough conversation when maybe our expectations, the seller's expectations are not aligned with the market. Classic example is, you know, we purchased an agency a while back. There was an agent that had kept hold of listings that were, you know, six months, eight months, 10 months. And, and, and these clients didn't know any better, just assumed that the market was terrible, et cetera, mm. et cetera, which, you know, the market hasn't been great. The market's bad, but it's not 10 months bad. No, that's right. And they went on holidays. And we had one of our other agents in the office who was better trained, went in and got four of those properties sold in the space of four weeks, purely by having the hard conversation with those clients. The conversations, by the way, that those clients actually were grateful for and wanted to hear because no one had actually turned around and said to them, oh, I think it might be the price. And the reality is it's almost always the price. Price right? is the number one factor. Yeah, well, price is the you number one factor. You can always put new carpets in. You know, price determines the level of demand. Now, if we're sitting there week after week with no one coming through the property, then demand is failing. And if we don't fix demand, we're not going to fix the sale price either. And it's something that from the get-go, especially with this new age of researching properties, is not in the paper every week on the same place. It's on realestate.com and Rewa, and they use the same sort of algorithms that Google has that very quickly, if that thing's not being clicked on, it's fallen to the back of the page and no one's looking at it. Yep. Correct. And it's drifting, drifting out into nowhere. The problem is, is that as a new property comes on, gets pushed down the list as well. So if you're not getting seen, getting clicked on, like you said, or alternately, you're just not promoted high enough up that list, mm. then you're not going to be seen. Does a good real estate agent spend more on marketing than a bad real estate agent? I think a good real estate agent will ask you to spend more on marketing. Absolutely. So not much. But they know see, what they're doing. With yeah, it. I was going to say, there's, and this is the thing, this is the myth. There's agents that spend masses of money on themselves and will carry masses of listings, but not necessarily be good agents, right? But they'll look like they're good agents mm. and they'll do numbers, right? Enough but to those, sustain. But those ratios will not be good, but they don't really care because they're doing enough volume and they're making a great living, right? What you need is someone that will come in and say to you, okay, look, I think we need to spend this and this is why we need to spend it and show you where on realestate.com it will appear, where mm. on domain.com it will appear and what other processes they're going to put in place, for instance, through Facebook and LinkedIn that are going to get your property promoted and in front of the right audience. Jono, thanks a lot for your time. You're welcome. Hopefully Thank we'll you. have you in again.
Thank you. Okay, we are going to chat about one of my favorite suburbs today with our suburb spotlight, and it is Riverton. We haven't spent a lot of time in this area. We've spoken about Rossmoyne before, but Riverton really does stand out for me as one of my favorites because it's got a lot going for it, obviously the river, but also shops on High Road and its catchment zone of one of Perth's best schools being Rossmoyne. We've got one person who can help us out with this conversation. It's Riverton's number one agent, Michael Minnick. Thanks for coming in, mate. Thanks for having me, Trent. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Tell me about Riverton. Tell me some history. I know that you've got some awesome stuff for us today as to how far this goes back and the personalities behind this suburb's creation. Yeah, definitely. So a lot of history in this particular area, very small niche riverside suburb. Uh, it's actually began in 1917. That's um, old. With, I wouldn't have expected that. Yeah, so um, almost Federation days to a certain extent, but obviously as time went on, subdivisions occurred and it was actually named after the uh, Riverton Bridge. Not many people cross um, over it and actually realise how old that landmark is, but yeah. um, it's definitely a big centre point for this suburb. Tell me about some of the old land holdings and the old land owners that first subdivisions which were just huge you know farming plots back in the day exactly right so there used to be a lot of farming back in the times and even after all these uh, days i have sold properties uh, who are named after famous streets um, in that area so it's definitely well, an t- honor riley street right yep. riley street yeah riley road riley mm-hmm. road sorry just one example mm-hmm. um, marjorie avenue some of these guys who actually been living there for a very very long period of time and it's only recently that the last blocks in the last decade or so that have been sold off as life goes on times change and some Thing to always remember. I just like the idea of being able to hark back and look back at the inception of suburbs and you can still recognize where these estates have been developed and you really can see where that founding family held that plot of land. Mm-hmm. Uh, based around the way that a major road has been. So mm-hmm. I always like to hear that story of that Riley family on Riley Road who owned all the land pretty much from mm-hmm. the bridge all the way up to High Road. It's cool to think about those days. Yeah, definitely one to um, always remember, but uh, many stories I have heard. And Tell me about uh, the things that are going for Riverton. Uh, mm-hmm. Tell me about the demographic of people, why people buy into Riverton itself. Yeah, g- good question there, Trent. Uh, predominantly, a lot of the marketplace and uh, buyers predominantly buy in Riverton, just mainly for the Rossmine High School zone. As you're aware, uh, Rossmine was labelled the best high school in uh, WA just last week. Yeah. And obviously being a Rossmine boy, being a Riverton kid as well, um, my parents even bought into this suburb just to get... To um, get you into school. Yep, exactly right. Sabrina and myself into this lovely suburb. And after five years of doing what they have to do for the kids, they move out from the area, serve the purpose. Oh, wow. Okay. So you see it as really a stage in families' lives, being in Riverton? Yeah, definitely. It's all about the education. We all value that. And like I said, it's one of the biggest drawing um, cards buying in that particular suburb. A lot of new, expensive two-story houses popping up in this area as well. Yeah, definitely. At the moment, Trent is going through a very heavy transition. Every single corner, wherever you drive, you'll see a home demolished. You see land sold off. You see a brand new double-story home or even a single-story home just pop up. So people probably a bit nervous about how Perth's market has been, but I think this is a fantastic example of there is still a lot of money in Perth and people Mm. are still willing to spend a lot of money in Perth. Mm. There just has to be a good fundamental reason for it. And Mm. clearly we've got with Ross Moyne and Mm. the river uh, Mm. and the amenities from the local shops, fantastic example of why people will be happy to spend 
a mil plus in a suburb, which is still very much a middle demographic suburb. These guys actually buy in the area, um, not based on the market, but basing the ch uh, transaction on their lives. So that's a difference. Mm. So um, again, revolving around the uh, Rossmine High School Zone precinct there, but no better time to build than where we are now. I think an interesting point to note as well from that catchment zone effect being the major effect of this suburb is it's a very high owner-occupied suburb. Exactly. Not a lot of investors going on here because most mm. people that buy here, they're mm. buying here to live here. Exactly right, Trent. So you tend to attract a lot of the audience coming from surrounding areas into Riverton. And again, Rossmine High School Zone. But not only that, it's also situated on the Canning River there. Interesting to know a lot of the ethnicities that are coming mm -hmm. in here as well. A lot of uh, impact from the Chinese, mm -hmm. Sri Lankan, Indian mm -hmm. market. A lot mm -hmm. of money obviously coming in from, from those areas exactly too. Right. I guess when you're mm -hmm. comparing it to Rossmine and mm -hmm. Shelley, which are also in the catchment zone, sure. Riverton's a bit more... Uh, mm -hmm. affordable yeah good question there uh, it's very multicultural in these particular areas of Perth it represents excellent value compared to the Rossmore and the Shelleys yeah. um, even the Willerton another hot suburb yeah. probably um, according to Rewa one of the hottest suburbs going around in the metro area yeah. but going back to Riverton it's it's drawing that type of marketplace internationally if you're really coming from an international background sure. you're there just for the school exactly it makes sense to probably look for the most affordable of the three four suburbs that are in that catchment zone sure definitely yeah, yeah. so uh, represent good value and uh, riverton always traditionally um, have been a, a, a high demand area over the and, last couple of years and really protected from the downturn we've had 100%. in the last few years because this is just a totally different effect yeah definitely we just had one in riverton just recently we sold just under nine hundred thousand, been on the market for just over a month which is really good and this is a big ticket items well above the uh, medium house price brackets in the area yeah okay let's talk about price just segued into it for me how cheap can i buy in riverton in riverton the probably the cheapest you can buy no lower than 300 350 and that would be, have to be a two by one needing a lot of work type unit duplex half a really old option yep. really really old option there all right step up for us the next option yeah so the next option would be uh, up to the four hundred thousand dollar uh, price bracket perhaps like a three by one villa okay and again an older sort of development exactly. yeah yep. 20 30 years old exactly right that. yep next level you probably be getting around about the 450 500 there'll be three by twos okay your um, newer development option not so much but probably late 80s yeah, three, well, there you three go. by ones, three by twos. Again, okay. depending on which part of Riverton, as you get closer to the uh, waterfront, there prices are more steeper. How much am I paying for a family home? Family home in terms of single story. Yeah, single story. Single family stories. Home. Uh, brand new one recently sold for about high sixes, six eighty. Affordable, and then I guess the sky's the limit when it gets to these new sure. two story places. So once you uh, crack into that three quarters of a million dollars, you probably could pick up a, a double story home um, okay. in the area. Yep. And how, mm -hmm. how high can it get? On a very good market, um, I had one late last year. We sold a th three-level home on the actual river, sold for just under $1.1 million to um, buyers from Hong Kong. Well, look, I still see that as an affordable option. When you compare that to the lofty heights of Rossmoyne mm. and Shelley, which are just down the road, they mm. have the same fundamental reasons to buy, really. You've got river, you've got school. 
same thing. Riverton's still pretty affordable when you compare it to those areas. Exactly right. So that's why it all comes down to the bottom dollar and per people only buying if they see value. Simple as that. I guess there's not too many development options for us as as developers, Michael. If mm. if I'm mm-hmm. looking around Riverton, and to be honest, I don't look too much because I don't see many development options. Would I come into much luck if I'm checking out realestate.com today? They do come up, but you just got to be moving on them really, really quick. They tend yeah. to sell one. I know this just driving by just late last week was on the market for about two weeks corner lot yep. uh, potential three unit site sold in, in a matter of weeks yeah so it, it when uh, i guess that's a real theme we'll be talking about today is that whenever new supply comes on the market whether it's from development or just a demolition mm-hmm. it's gone straight away exactly right i got one popping up uh, this weekend and i don't expect that to be on the market anytime soon i guess those are the easier more sought after listings for you aren't they yeah definitely they're hot they're in demand every agent's dream like i said yeah once you get these especially they've been living there for 50 years or so something that we got to handle with care that's a really good point is that there mm-hmm. generally will always be a story to these houses Sure. their homes yes very rarely are they investments and mm. and you've got people who are moving out of these areas after a long time yes. and moving in for the plan of having you know, mm. a good few years of enjoying the lifestyle yeah exactly at, at the end of the day everyone buys for lifestyle uh, reasons mainly in riverton but like i said it's um, definitely a rare like hen's teeth these type developments going around all right final question it's the median house price question michael minnick uh median house price uh, brackets for this one in riverton is just under 650 Okay, this is going to be tough for you, I think. What will you buy with $650,000 in Riverton? You're probably going to be short of a hundred grand. I definitely would uh, consider getting a development site. Like I said, development sites are going for about seven fifty, seven eighty mm. in the area. Mm. Um, make it, it's a very hard one, I think, this yeah, one. Yeah, that, that's, that's a, um, a tricky one. But for six fifty, you could get a decent 4 by 2 But uh, every person's got a uh, different requirement when purchasing. At the end of the day, I think if you can get a 4 by 2 in Ross Moyne's catchment with mm. the amenities of Riverton, you're still probably pretty happy I'll, I'll be very happy and um, just for Trent where it's actually situated I feel that you get value for money you know you basically near Stockland shopping center you obviously got little cafes restaurants all throughout the area low key is a big selling point there obviously just over the Riverton Bridge in um, Wilson there yeah I, I, I think really good point is that not only do you have uh, Ross Moyne as that catchment zone. It's it's not that far from Curtin either. Mm. Uh, so whilst there may be people that are sticking around just for high school, uh, the kids head over to Curtin across the river. They'd probably stick around Riverton as well, wouldn't they? Yeah, exactly right. So it's very centrally located. It has some of the best bus routes going on in that corridor of Perth. You get the circular route that yeah. goes around through that area. And again, Curtin University is the mecca for everything in the Canyon Council. Michael Minnick, thank you very much for chatting. One of my favourite suburbs, Riverton. We'll have you in again soon. Thank you so much, Trent. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Perth Property Show. If you've only just joined the conversation, you can catch up by heading over to our website, perthpropertyshow.com.au, subscribing to the podcast or joining our Facebook page. Don't forget to tune in next Monday at 7am for more expert insights, local analysis and suburb spotlights. Happy hunting!